0: Alright, KVBL Podcast is back And since we found out a really easy way to try to drop these podcasts Obviously it's something I could have been doing, I think, a lot sooner But you know what? Better late than never And now is a really exciting time in the KVBL So I might as well just start doing it But I mean, this is something that I can literally do while I'm driving Which is what I'm doing right now now you're not texting it's pretty much just talking out loud so it works so anyways i was exhausted as hell last night trying to take in those ratings and of course we've been able to see how some people have reacted since then so why not drop a little knowledge about the quick takeaways from the draft here in about a 10 or 15 minute recap so obviously at the top all rim had a choice whether to take the unknown boring point guard as kj would put it or take the big dog, Rob Glenn. Everyone I think kind of knew what Rob Glenn was gonna be. And ultimately, I think the rebounding is a little bit better than what we thought. And maybe his fringe stuff, like he's got a little bit of steal, a little bit of his assist. Um, the one through nines on offense are right there. You know, that that's a little bit more than probably what you might have thought, but everyone knew he was gonna have some scoring. And and then the flip side was the point guard and whether or not he was going to have the upside. And I mean, Allram's clearly happy with that pick. And I think re- pretty much you could just split it down in the middle as far as, you know, who prefers what? And it's funny that I could tell you just by looking at the ratings, who would like which player? You know, it's funny how you have people, you know, like Ricky. Ricky loves offense, doesn't necessarily care with de- care about defense. And so it's no surprise to me that he's going to go for the offensive player who, I mean, that guy could be Cromwell pretty soon. I know people want to kind of take it down and talk about, you know, Rob Glenn's efficiency and all that. It's like the guy was the top pick. Like, I know, like, okay, Mitch Bradley's not really efficient, but is, is it ultimately going to be a guy that, like, people seem to talk in extremes, like that they say, oh, this could happen, but it's something that's out of the norm. Like, yeah, anything can happen. But logically speaking, the first pick should be semi-decent and he should theoretically get okay progressions. He's already really good. If he gets decent progressions he's gonna be really really good you know he's gonna have volume that's gonna be close to Cromwell sure we want to see the 2g percent go up but it's not like he's inefficient right now and the fact that he's got a 777 offensive one through nine like he's gonna be good like he's already a starter the defense is a little bit suspect but you know he's a plug-and-play scorer so KJ didn't really get it wrong when he said you know like that's a guy that again if Auburn pairs him with a guy like Franks if he has other people like yeah he might win random games but is that a team that's ever going to really sneak into the playoffs? I don't think so. So it wasn't like he was really going to help him. But the flip side is, you know, yeah, the defensive point guard. So who who likes guys like that? Uh, Smath, Memphis, Bubbles. Yeah, guys who like those well-rounded point guards. And, and the fact that ultimately Elio could be a little bit of an offensive player, of course, adds adds to it. I mean just defensively, starting off at a six seven, he's got passing steals and the fact that he's got some blocks and some rebounding, like he's gonna be he could be a, a fully like a fully complete player at a guard and, and X pointed out, you know, is a guy that you could also play at shooting guard. So I think you have, you know, the sexy offense, you know, in a guy that could be Cromwell esque in in Rob, but that's also you know, like, have we seen Cromwell win anything? You know, that's that's kind of an issue too. Whereas, yes, he's a little bit more risky because you don't know uh, ultimately how he will end up. And when you do look at the point guard, you know, some people are going to say, okay, that guy's risky too. But in theory, the base ratings are there where he's always going to be a good defensive player. This isn't a guy that's going to be a free agent. You know, it's not like he has no shooting. It's not like he, I mean, the blocks are, are nice. The fact that he's got a little bit of scoring added with everything else he does, I mean, you look like a guy like Zabala. People, you know, Zabala didn't really have a lot of offense and then ended up getting the 3G. And, I mean, that's a guy that he's ancient and is still getting paid a lot of money. So Elio's a guy that's going to be in the league and be liked by people for a long, long time. I mean, I think we're kind just kind of, you know, going in circles because pretty much it's what you'd prefer. Do you prefer the offensive upside of 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 Rob Glenn or do you want, you know, the steady performance you know like KJ said like he's going to be he that guy could be the anchor guard on a championship team like i could see that probably a little bit easier because you know what you're getting on the defensive side so it's really just going to depend on team fit what you want to do you know obviously the point guard probably would have been maybe even a better fit on the wolves cuz they don't know that they had ended up needing the scoring but you know i don't think all rim thankfully thankfully he's well rounded enough and has some fun stuff that Allrim did not get screwed by thinking he was taking a boring guy that was kind of just a low-usage point guard. So I think Allrim wins on this one because he gets a guy that he's really happy with, and I think that's a guy that you could build the right way. Is he going to hold on and keep this guy, or is he going to inevitably get bored and be tempted by someone... um, with some nice prospects later on. I mean, who knows? That's yet to be seen. But all of him having patience isn't something that we've really ever seen, I think, before. So only time will tell. But I don't think either player is going to be bad. I think we kind of – when we look at the draft, some people want to call it ass. But it's kind of what we thought it was going to be. You know, we knew that Rob Glenn was going to be good. And the point guard sounded good enough that he could be taken in the top two – and everyone else, yeah, they're they're solid role players. But what's funny is I think when we look back on this draft, you're not going to be looking at it as a bad draft because you're going to have some of these guys that slipped into the teens, I think, produce and progress to be better than the guys taken before them. You know, you look at a comparison of, you know, Bobby Lemon went really high. And he's actually, I, I think the rebounding boosts up that grade a little bit to where I really don't think he's all that good. Uh, Overall, I mean, for that for that spot, when you look at the guy that the Nets took Wheeler who slipped and I mean, KJ during the draft said, I almost took Wheeler here and then took the four position guy and then wanted to kind of maybe backtrack that that wasn't a good player. But clearly that guy was good and he didn't go for like another five or six picks when the commissioner says I almost took this guy. Somebody better fucking take that guy. What were you all thinking? But I don't I, I don't doubt Jay on that one. Or I, I don't I don't think he's wrong. Like Wheeler's a guy that I could see being better long term than Lemon and he's taken in the teens. The guy went fifteen. Uh, I think that could be a real big steal. And then of course you have, you know, Kyle making the trade with BJ, and I think at the time, you know, BJ likes what he sees out of Albright, but at the end of the day I think he does realize that, yeah, he could have just sat at eight and ended up taking hammers who is arguably the better player you know i don't think ultimately kyle's happy with forte i think he would prefer to have a guy like hammers or maybe even if we talk about wheeler i think i think maybe you thought forte was going to be wheeler so that was a little bit you know different but i think that you know ultimately kyle's happy because yeah at eight he had at least similar value to what Ultimately ended up being taken at three. And, like we kind of alluded to really late, if anybody was still paying attention, is the Hawks. The Hawks have talent, but they don't have defense. They have a lot of these fun guys who can do a lot of stuff. Like Saks is fine, but like Giacometti's not ready. Towels isn't really good defensively. And now he's got a center with a six PD. So like, I think he admittedly knows, damn, I might've just given up a lotto pick. Like ultimately he gave up two more picks. Sure, Callahan isn't terrible, but you know, he might've given up a lotto pick if everything shakes out the way it does in the Maynard where, yeah, that's a team that's going to want to try and he's going to want to do everything to at least make the playoffs and, and be better. But yeah, that could be a pick. And Kyle could get super lucky by just trading back. You know, I think, again, he probably would have been happier with the pick. But ultimately, I think the value of the trade, I think, ultimately panned out. Um, Look at what the Knicks got. The Knicks got Carol Matthews, who looks like he's like a ready now shooting guard with the one through nines on both sides of the ball. Uh, He does a little bit of kind of everything you'd want. You'd probably want a little bit more rebounding out of him, I believe. But I mean, that's a solid guy. I think he could be in, progress into one of the better guys to come out of the draft. And I think that's, again, the Knicks look at, okay, I got a guy like Carol Matthews and they would have needed to do that silly deal because he's in the same exact boat as the Hawks. Like, are they even as good as the Hawks? And he traded his 39 for a guy like Necrosoft, who he clearly doesn't even need anymore because he took another wing uh, combo wing. Now, there's... I had talked to him before the draft and he was getting offers for number six and I kind of had said you know you're going to most likely get a small forward at five and I said it could be intriguing to gamble because again when we talk about guys like the defensive role player and the four position eligible guys and the same reason why the Bulls and KJ took West at seven is that like the grade was there I don't think you could it was pretty obvious that he didn't ruin him so why you know it wasn 't like he was a C minus or a C like a c plus isn 't great, but it it, it kind of tells you that he does enough stuff that with the four position eligibility, unless he somehow had like horrendous one through nines is going to be a useful player now he he does have some really terrible 3 g and that 's going to hurt a little bit, but he does enough stuff that I feel like that 's a fun a fun player to have long-term and to see how he progresses, but also the fact that he's four position eligible means I think he's just a better asset. Like there's nothing really wrong with Vincent. Vincent's okay. But I think right now the four position eligibility, I think people would look at the fact that West isn't terrible. And I think that's going to go a lot further. I mean, I think that's also the same thing we talk about, you know, the versatility of, of the point guard going number one is, you know, people look at what he could do and what he could be and how he could fit into your team. West is going to fit kind of anywhere. Yeah, he's not going to – you probably want more upside at, at a top 10 pick. But I think as an asset in this type of a draft, I think West probably would have been a better pick at six. You know, KJ Lux out and gets him at seven and can kind of be a guy that he kind of just – has and eventually could potentially flip into, you know, if someone wants to offer him something better down the road, but I think as an asset, you couldn't go wrong there. Uh, We had the interesting international players go shortly thereafter. Uh, We talked about whether or not, because of this the the defensive guy not having small forward eligibility if this was gonna be a guy that was gonna be Sam Baker. And sure as shit, I mean the one through nines are already right on par with what Sam Baker is now, but he's got less rebounding, he's got a lot of blocks, and he's got um less steal. You know, so he's got it you can literally plug and play in your rotation right now if you wanted a defensive a defensive big. But being the fact that he's completely inept on offense you know, is that a guy that you could even start? And I think that's where when you talk about a small forward, power forward, you could probably try to rotate that guy in for upwards of 30 minutes between those two spots to help with those two positions. But as a big, I mean, you probably, I mean, again, he's a nice fit with Barber and and, and Billy Joe Robodeau, you know, but, and that guy, of course, is going to inevitably have value around the league. But, you know, you probably would want a little bit, more out of him, but ultimately he's kind of ready to go right now as a defensive player. So I don't hate the player. Uh, He's going to if he progresses even more on defense he's just going to be even more fun so i don't think daggs did bad there uh, as far as you know like he already had big so like hammers didn't seem like a, an option uh we could talk about carson here in a second you know Kalu is fun if we talk about the other euro he's kind of what we thought i think he's got a little bit more pop than i would have thought i thought maybe he was going to be like an empty 3g guy but the the 2g and the and the you know, the 50% as well as the fact that he does seem to get a little bit of free throw. You know, sometimes KJ buries those 3G guys where they have solid 3G, but like in the teens free throw, but he's decent. Like the base skill set is there for him to be a really fun shooter. Now doesn't really rebound, doesn't really pass. So, you know, he's kind of a fit kind of guy, but you know, a system guy, rotational guy, sixth man, um, that's a guy who, who's fine as well. Um, Eddie Carson, awesome offensive player, like perfect fit for Ricky. Doesn't play defense, you know, has some flaws, but the offensive upside are, are there for that guy to be really, really good. Um, I, feel, I don't know what all else we got. I'm trying to think off the top of my head without looking, but, you know, I feel like again, there was so much randomness when you even headed into the teens that being where some of these guys were taken, I think people will look back. Now, of course, it's all based on progressions, but I don't think we can look at the look at the draft right now and call it ass. I mean, you have two really solid players. I don't see them either being bad. They're both going to be really good, um, and you know, Albright. Albright, he's young. He might have you know, he's he's already got. You know, some decent base ratings, you know, anybody can get the right progressions. You know, we want to talk about extremes, but even like normal progressions, he's still going to be a decent player. You know, there's, there's, there were so many weird wings and combo forwards, and that was the way kind of Ricky wrote it up, that a lot of these guys were kind of a little bit lower usage. Very similar, where they were like in the 30s and 40s for 2G. They had a little bit of free throw. They have a little bit of threes. You know, there there wasn't a ton of rebounding on second look. I thought there was a little bit more where training camp might not get as destroyed by rebounding because there was like not much rebounding overall. You know, Rob Glenn had the highest rebounding in the entire an entire draft. Like the bigs that Ricky gave us weren't really like huge bigs as far as rebounding. They were kind of like. Again, like kind of like versatile players as far as things they did. Um, that's right. We didn't talk about Naginaw, the fat guy, um, who I guess was supposed to be Swanigan. Is uh, you know he's got a fun offensive skill set. You know now the one one six one on D. Yeah, that's bad. But you know we talked about a guy like uh, um, Neon. Neon was never good on defense. Now, yeah, he got bizarre, bonkers progressions, but you know, like the fun-based skill set. The th- thing I like about a guy like that is is when they have the free throw. You know, I, I forget if that's Swanigan or uh, or Nagana or or hammers but when you get like a, a, a big that already has you know like 40-ish free throw like that matters that 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 means the guy can score you know what bothered me and that was the same thing that kind of bothered myself about Hugh and why I moved on is that I felt like he was who he was and the free throw wasn't enough for him to be a high-end scorer like yeah he has some really nice games but like that was the difference between you know a guy like him and Silva like Silva's upwards of the 50s when it comes to free throws and it just boosts your points up enough that you just have a little bit more impact I mean yeah I know I'm picky like guys aren't perfect but you know again when we talked about the lines a little bit like they were able to put three really nice players together that had very little flaws so it's like yeah combine get try to get the right guys and yeah it works but um but yeah, bigs bigs that don't shoot free throws, ultimately clearly most of them don't shoot threes, I think their volume is going to end up being limited if they don't get to the line. You know, look like look at Ricky and Danny Odell. The guy like is in the teens I think as far as free throw, awesome efficiency, but he's never really going to score a lot if they don't get to the line. So ultimately your upside's limited in a game. Like he's going to be efficient, but you'd love to be able to get into the 20s or even 30s on certain guys if you knew that they could get to the line as well. But anyways, um It was nice that Omer got a nice pick. And we talked about Omer, the Sonics. Like, he's got a nice, fun big to throw out there. It's almost like he got Ellis Redding back as far as offensive output to pair with Farah. You know, like, the Maynard's going to be really fun this season. You're going to have some teams that I think you think are going to be good and they're not. You're going to have some teams that are young and they're trying to make some noise and are likely going to stay the course. You know, we now have some teams that are in the Maynard that don't have their picks and then you have the other conference where it seems like it's the Lions, the Pacers, the Hornets, the Celtics, and then the Bucks. I guess. The Bucks are kind of trying to stay young, I think, and seeing what can develop. You know, like we can't say that they're not right there since they made the conference finals. But at the same time, they got boat raced by the Lions. So I think the draft ended up filling a lot of needs for teams as far as pieces that they wanted going forward whether it be people got value assets or people got guys that fit into their system so I don't think anyone really did terrible I think that if you want to say someone who probably is a little bit disappointed probably say maybe Lemon Lemon's a little bit more disappointed than you'd want and of course BJ would maybe wanted to stand pat and take hammers and on the flip side I think Kyle probably would have wanted to take Forte so I think neither one of them while it makes sense of what they were trying to do, probably is ultimately happy with what ended up happening. But um, but hey, look at this. A quick-ass 15, 20-minute podcast that I did driving from one place to another. Occupied the time. I could have been doing this for fucking years. Unbelievable. Well, anyways, enjoy. Peace.